You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Here on the Count Out Podcast Network, I am your host, as always, Scott Edwards, and with me this week, as is always, Trent. How are you? I'm good. I've been doing some funkin' since we're doing uh, part two of the Q and A. You know, I've been spending a lot of time thinking and asking questions of myself. No, yeah, what is the meaning of life? That kind of stuff. Oh, that's good. Yeah. If someone asked what? us that question, I would have been terrified. Be like, oh, well, know. it's an easy answer. The answer is forty-two. But the question I wanted to ask to kick things off here is, are we going down the Stardom Road? What kind of car are we driving? Like, and don't say the Stardom tour bus. Yeah, But what kind of car are you driving down the Stardom Road? Are you like an open-top car? We're driving an RV. We got an, an RV? RV? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we can switch off and someone can take a nap in a bed or something like you know. <laughs> I, my my one of my it's not a dream, but like one thing I want to do is drive cross country in an RV. But I don't actually want to drive. I want someone to drive me. <laughs> yes, no, I, I get that. Yeah, um, I, I don't like the idea of an RV because I know I don't fit in the beds. Like I'm going to hey, be you know. fetal positioned up the wazoo just hey, to fit know. in the the beds that they have in those things. Well, I'm going to get a nice RV that has a real bed. So. We're gonna we're gonna fork out, are we? Get the luxury. Yeah, yeah. For a trip, treat ourselves. You know, oh, nice. we're gonna treat ourselves. Yeah. I was watching um, the, I was watching the Cody Rhodes documentary on Peacock. Very good, by the way. Um, and this has to do with this. He was talking about how he was in Hollywood and he pretty much gave up on being an actor and he drove forty eight hours straight back home to Georgia. And oh, I was thank like, you. and I was I was I was talking about it with my dad and he was like that's ridiculous <laughs> i was like 48 hours straight that's unsafe I, I would i would i would i would not have made it i yeah. can't i can't stay up 24 hours straight anymore he stayed <laughs> up 48 um i've given yeah. six hours straight that's the most i've done um that was to go to a friend's wedding it's a good wedding i was best man so it was better than most see we're doing q a right off the bat huh exactly uh, yeah, and it's you. all relevant thank you thank you i actually you know what i added a question of my own so if you want to think of one to uh close out this series i just asked the question okay real what like stardom, stardom question then you can by the end of this so just okay. chime in anytime Put the because pressure on. i think it's more fun if we ask our own questions yeah who, who, who are you driving with from stardom on the stardom road <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like uh the meme that's like pick a table sit at it lunch you have mm-hmm. you have the nut jobs over here you know you got like dj colin and, and <laughs> Nicki minaj and, and then Which at one faction are you sitting down <laughs> for lunch with yeah yeah um not a way to tie i don't want to get beat up uh thank you for asking current away to tie i feel like not so would hit me with the, that damn pipe anyways <laughs> let's get to your food let's get to stardom road shall we yeah. Stardom Road, Q&A, part B. And we kick off with a question from Ash, a great one, one that we had to think about a lot. 
pick five hidden gem all time starter matches for him specifically that people don't talk about but are must see. And this is a very hard question because all time and hidden gem, yeah, don't usually go together, <laughs> but we're gonna do our best. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do our best. We picked three each. Yeah, so and they're getting six. Yeah, they don't combine. There's no yeah. do overs because or... we weren't going to pick ten. That's just not happening. You're and being you selfish, don't... asking for ten. What are no, you doing? I appreciate, Ash? I appreciate Ash just saying me. I don't care about. <laughs> I want my. I got you. We got you. I, I um, did ignore that part of the question, so I don't know if these are tailored to his particular interests. Well, yeah, I, he likes violence. He likes violence. Uh, okay. He likes Reese Nakajima. You know, three. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just talking about because surrealism happened recently and we both talked about how loving the match so it was yeah, very easy yeah. one to pick uh but he goes back and sees like the greatness sometimes of stardom so mm-hmm. i'm actually happy he asked this one so let's kick it off hidden gem all-time stardom matches impossible to do but we are going to do our best <laughs> Trent, yes. kick us off well i want you to guess who i could possibly pick when we're talking Mayu underrated in gem we're talking jungle kiona because of course we are and the match i've specifically picked i've been good i've only picked one jungle match is jungle kiona versus kagetsu for the red belt from january 14th 2019 i actually think a lot of kagetsu's red belt matches kind of get overlooked in hindsight like people recognize the championship reign but you don't hear a lot of people talking about the individual matches it yeah. may be outside of the Hazuki match and say Mayu. Yeah, um, but I think outside of that, it's kind of it's it's a it was a cool rain, but like the matches aren't discussed. This is actually a really good match. And I think a perfect example of a classic kind of heel versus underdog baby face. And both of them just kind of play their roles to perfection. Um fantastic example of how good jungle is, fantastic example of how good Kigetsu was. I love I love I love Kigetsu. Hazuki one, like to me, isn't a hidden gem. Mm. Uh, but if you haven't seen that, go see that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just so, like when I think to get to rank, yeah. that's a match that does get brought up. But I think a lot of her matches don't. That'll be that'll be part of the game is like, oh, well, if you're if you want to see this one, go see that one too. Mm. Uh, I think that's a good one. I think I think when it comes to the Kigetsu Rain, you're absolutely right. Like there is a lot of matches that he had that you kind of like especially with the rain because there's a lot of kagetsu matches that are remembered mm. but not always when it comes to the rain outside. kind of on either side of the championship rain I yeah thought. yeah a lot of a lot after right because that's yeah. when a lot of people got into start but um, you like if you if you came in post uishino post kagetsu do yourself a favor watch this match and watch like all of his matches all of them yes. uh speaking every of which, single one you, you set me up you set me up the alley uh so this is a favorite of mine just like a mm-hmm. personal favorite it is Mayu Yutani and Kagetsu versus Jungle Kiona and Momo Watanabe uh one of Kagetsu's final matches of his career yeah. um one of the many <laughs> retirement matches <laughs> the original uh, Keiji Muto yeah 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 um i think it is like it's the ultimate feel good but it's also just fantastic mm. mayu wears the matching gear one of my favorite gears of all time is is just the 
double. Like they have the, there's this great picture if you find it, it's just them posing together in the gears. It's like this is phenomenal. One time gear. She got it for that one match, never to be worn again. Um and Jin Jungle and Momo obviously back together again mm-hmm. for this match. Jungle and Momo Green. were such a fantastic team. And then at this point in their careers, they're just at such a different level. So go out of your way to see this one. Um, I, I think if you want to treat yourself right, watch a lot of Kagetsu's big matches leading mm-hmm. up to this. Watch the title matches. Watch the big matches with Mayu. Uh, yeah. But go and see those matches and then watch this one. It'll make it that much better. At least watch the Mayu and Kigetsu matches. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic match in of itself. Um, yeah. But when you have the story behind it, when you have the connections behind it, you know, like if, if you've seen JK Green team together beforehand, it means a lot more. If you've watched the Kagetsu Mayu Wars, it means a lot more. Um, but it is a match that stands up without those factors. Um, so it, the only the only thing is if you aren't a hardcore fan when you go and watch it, there's a lot of preamble because they're bringing out and doing the the, po- the photo opportunities with Kigetsu and each yes. faction and everything. But the match itself is top tier for sure. Uh, next one, I'll go first here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do Mako mm-hmm. Satomura and Yuzuki Aikawa from... I have the date. I have the date. I have the date. I swear. <laughs> I have the date. Uh, March 17th, 2013. Mm. I know. I know... I know, Ash, you were asking for a match that is physical, that is violent. These are the two of the best strikers in the game. Yeah. And we did a whole episode on Mako and her greatness, obviously, mm-hmm. with Freedom. Uh, but going back and seeing the match with Aikawa, obviously, and by this time, Aikawa's at full strength as a wrestler. Um, it's just, it's just, it's violent. It's nasty. It's great. <laughs> it's just physical. Yeah. It's not like an all-time, it's not like, let me rephrase. It's a all-time hidden gem match in that, mm. you know, Aikawa's run is so short, Yeah, ultimately, but this is one of the better ones because obviously Mako's at the top of her game too. Yeah, and it's a good example of both wrestlers again. And that's what I what I look for in a lot of these hidden gems is what's a match that kind of highlights wrestlers that you might be aware of but maybe haven't seen a lot of. Um, and that's a fantastic example right there. Um, the next match I'm going with are two wrestlers that you are probably familiar with, but you maybe haven't seen this match. We're going back to the Five Star Grand Prix in 2015 for what is a match that I don't hear people talking about when they talk about the long-standing story between Mayu Itani and Dio Shirai. It's a 15-minute match. It's before either of them really got launched into not the stardom scene because EO had already been a champion by that point, but like this is before the May Gold match that kind of took the Thunder Gold, Thunder Gold, Thunder Rock story and really transported it to next level. This is a match that, like if you search Mayo versus EO in cage match, it doesn't pop up on their rivalries list. Even under singles match, you kind of got to search around to find. That's why I classify this as a hidden gem. Because mm. for 15 minutes, these two go at it. Yes, it's the earlier versions of them. Mayu's not fully perfected. Io's kind of just one step behind the air that you will see during her second Red Belt run. But this is a really spectacular match. And you get to see the best of both of them without necessarily the same pressures of the Red Belt matches. And they just go hard at each other for 15 minutes. It's 
a lot of fun. It's hard to find. This is one of the first matches I ever saw from Stardom. I remember a Mayu Watani versus Kairi match. I don't remember which one, but this match really stuck out, stood out to me. And without it, I might not be here doing this podcast. So that's why it's on the list. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Um, you go with your third yep. match. And the final one I'm picking is the most recent of the matches I've picked. Um, and the main reason I'm picking it is because it is from that messy in-between time in the pandemic. I'm actually going in the main event of the No People Gate match, Mayu Itani versus Saki Kashima. I, I feel like this show in of itself is just kind of everyone agrees not to talk about it because of the fact that it happened during the pandemic. It just recognised that, oh, yeah, they did a, a show in Kurokan with no one around. How funny was that? But this match is actually a really good match. It's the nice mix of quality wrestling with just absurdist fun. There's no one in the audience except for Jushin Thunder Liger, basically. They had no one to really play off except themselves. So they used the, the show kind of like a Ichigai Square Choco Pro match. They just went everywhere and did lots of mayhem. You had Mayu tumbling from the very top of Kurokan Hall all the way down to the steps. You had her doing like the running three on Saki over the top rope into everyone. It's messy. It's like an Oedo type field match, but... Like, Saki Kashima in a legitimate main event situation is a rare sight, and it's a lot of fun. These two always play off each other really well. And it's just, yeah, a match that, like, if you came in post-pandemic, you're probably not wanting to go back and watch a no-person crowd show just because, like, you're just getting bad memories of clap crowds and stuff. And if you're a long-term fan, you probably, if you're going back and watching matches, you're probably picking, like, Pete Kirk and Hall crowds and, you know, championship matches this one was just a singles match between recently betrayed Mayu Watani and Saki Kashima and it's clear they went out there to put on a show have a lot of fun and this the best thing about this it was free on YouTube and live you know it was a very special moment for everyone who was able to watch and it makes it oddly easy to find in comparison to a lot of these other matches my final match is uh... Thunder Rock, I know. Shock, stunned <laughs> against Kyrie and Mako Satamora. Uh, that is from. Let me get the exact date to make your life easier. It was, you know, you'd think I'd have these things ready. Uh, March twenty first, twenty sixteen. Yeah, uh, and this one is on Stardom World. If people are curious, yes, I love recommending Thunder Rock matches because they were just sensational together. Mm. Obviously, but you add in the the opponents of Kyrie, obviously of the Threedom combo there, and Mako Satamora, who we praised for her run the previous year. It mm. is one hell of a match it is violent it's back and forth it's it's just it's joshi greatness it's Mm. it's one of those true hidden gems of stardom because i think when you think of stardom you think of all the big singles tag uh singles title matches corkins like you said so uh it's always the title match it's always the big singles title matches Uh, if you can if you dive into the tags of stardom's history you can find a lot of great great wrestling Mm. Uh, I don't know if there's a hidden gem, so I'm going to just toss in Risa versus uh, Hazuki from the Wonder Storm title run. If that's just, you know, because everyone talks about the Tam one. No. <laughs> Respect the Hazuki one. 
Yeah, uh, but those are those are some hidden gem matches. Hope we helped you, Ash. Hope you enjoy at least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoy one. But uh, thank you for the question. Hope you like mine because you got four of them. Well, you know, you, you signed up for that. Uh, anyways, we move forward here. Any stardom wrestlers you're a bit unfamiliar with or want to watch more of, or simply one you've seen some of but need to see more of that's from Zavi. Uh, we also have a question later in the show that's about you know watching someone that we watch post their retirement mm-hmm. or leaving, so that's a little different. So, this is a you're unfamiliar of that I would like to watch more so i think that's more intriguing and more interesting right now to there's a handful right i mean the fun part about stardom is how deeply talented their history is and Mm. how a lot of those wrestlers moved on and did great things outside and i think that's kind of where it falls um I'm familiar with is tough. I think I can easily answer the you've seen some of, and I always go back to Yoshiko. I've seen a lot of Yoshiko from Seedling mostly. I've rarely dove into a lot of her stardom stuff outside mm. of obviously the Mayu match when she came back. Um, but there's some matches from back then. Obviously, there's a reason, you know, she was one of the top stars. She was yeah. fantastic. And you used to watch all of her stuff from Seedling. She's, you know, has c- classics there. Uh, so she's definitely one that comes into my mind when it comes to like, I've seen some of, but I'd like mm. to see more of. Um, and then in terms of the just unfamiliar with, hmm. Uh, I, thankfully, like the way I've watched Stardom is I went back all the way. So, like, it's not like I just have like Nanai out of like, <laughs> I haven't seen Nanai or something. I didn't see a cow. Like, I've seen them, mm. I've seen their big matches. Um, I think I'd like to see a lot more of Hiroya Matsumoto's mm. stuff in. I've seen only a handful there, and that more answers the other question as well. But I think uh, a lot of the work she did was so great in stardom mm. um and obviously she's still great now but oh, yeah. those those are probably my uh, handful of answers i don't have anyone that's like i just haven't seen so yeah well especially like with the stardom road that we are doing we are looking back at a lot of historical yeah. stuff so like wrestlers that maybe some people aren't fully familiar with we are kind of diving into even if they're not the focal point of a topic like a yuzuki akawa we're kind of taking in ancillary characters around that time so for me, like when I'm looking at this question, I've kind of ended up going similar to you in the wrestler I have seen lots of, but not necessarily in stardom. And so my nomination is pre-departure and pre-marvelous to Kumi Aroha. Because mm. obviously, like I look at 2023, she is one of my favorite wrestlers, full stop, period. But like her stardom stuff that I've watched is all once she's come back as a marvelous wrestler i'm not familiar with her work as a stardom rookie and that's a real shame given given i'm such a fan of hers and it is something i want to go back and watch if just to see where was she to where she has now become so that's really my answer um because there are wrestlers i'm not as familiar with that i've seen enough of to kind of 
have a good gauge on my thoughts on and that again it kind of ties into the the other question we have coming up in like wrestlers you've gone back and watched and enjoyed um so yeah that would be my answer and if i was picking someone else i would actually probably say yoko beto because she's mm. someone who when i first started watching Love was yoko. there she was kind of on the tail end i saw bits and pieces but i never locked into her as much as i did some of the others around that time and i would like to go back and watch her with fresh eyes around that scene because I, I was watching her I'm like she's talented she just didn't win me over as I think a, as a character um, so it would be fun to go back with I guess slightly more mature eyes when it comes to Joshi wrestling and see whether she can connect with me in the way that she has with so many other people because yeah she's very talented I just didn't lock in um, so they you were also at the end there yeah the well, that's the thing for her yeah, when Yoko Bito retired the second time, I was watching Stardom. I just sort of came in, and I think because she was on the tail end, it was kind of like, well, there's no need to invest in yeah. Yoko when she's leaving. Um, of course, I say that, and I was investing in EO who would leave and Kyrie who would leave. And Yeah, that's yeah. different. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. you had the young Momos and the jungles and stuff that you were well, locking on the next generation, and I'm very glad I did. But it did mean I need to go back and appreciate Yoko more. I'd toss Natsuki Tai over there for me as well. I mean, we've, especially in those first couple of years of stardom, with the coverage we did at the start of this podcast, we've got back, gone back and watched a lot of hers, and that's been a real joy for me. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, with how the high speed's been rejuvenated the past mm. couple of years, yeah. going back and seeing it at, you know, its previous height was mm. a lot of fun. Um, next question is from Jason Hodge. What would Mariah may have to do to become Starman's most valuable foreigner? And who do you think holds that title currently? Mercedes Monet excluded. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you, you got me. Uh, I'm guessing this is, is this ever? Yeah, I'm, you... I'm taking this as ever. Okay. Um, and like, to me, it's kind of, there's been a lot of good foreigners to come in. The real question is how you define kind of the key word there, which is valuable. So, like, you know, most successful, you're looking at Tony Storm because she won everything sure. um, that Stardom had to offer, and she holds records that still haven't been beaten in the sense of the first person to win the five-star Grand Prix and the Cinderella in the same year. Um, that hasn't been done. That hasn't been matched. Um, but valuable kind of ask other questions, like, most valuable, you could argue, would be Priestley because she was there for quite a few years full time, whereas that's Tony great. was on tours in and out, in and out. And yeah. that's where, like, you're looking at a Mariah May, that's where she can really make an impact because she's not flying in and out, in and out. She is locked in, she's there on every show. That makes a big difference. And you could almost argue, like, I feel like her domestic popularity is at the very least equal to what B Priestley ever achieved now part of that is because stardom is bigger now than it was back then um but like b Priestley is the red belt champion i still don't think it quite won over the domestic crowd i feel like mariah may is winning over that domestic crowd more than b did maybe not more oh, than yeah. tony but again you've got the argument of she's there all the time i mean every time that they're doing the check obviously and she does her you know usual start to the match mm. the crowd's gets a good chuckle out of it yeah um to answer what does she have to do she has to be around <laughs> like <laughs> like she just has to be there for a little mm. bit longer and i think mm. we're locked in 
I've I've already made claims on I don't know I don't think it was this show I think it's the Ocean Cyclone show that I think she's already the best one. Yes, that was Ocean Cyclone, best one of all the foreigners in her mm. current state. Cause I think Tony obviously left and she was a, a better overall wrestler when she left. Mm-hmm. Mariah Mays fantastic now. And the, the end of the five-star grand prix, I might be willing to say, cause she is connecting with that domestic audience. Mm. She's connecting with every audience, whether it's in, you know, like international or national, she's connecting with everyone. You know, there's people making art of her from Japan. Like you just mm-hmm. see all these things and mm. she's so easy to interact with on social media, which, you know, is a big thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to, uh, you know, kind of not respect that. Like, I think she's getting there and she's very close already. Um, in terms of now, I think you nailed the two. You know, it's mm. probably B and Tony. It's hard to yeah. really beat those two. If you want to just go by accolades, Tony. If you want to go by overall, it is B. Mm. Um, Viper did a lot of good stuff while she's over there. Yeah. But I, I think Chris Wolf did a lot of good stuff as well. Yeah, um, I, I just obviously don't think doesn't she have had the accolades. value. Like, yeah. in terms of, like, how many people did she draw in to stardom? Probably not as many as the others. But, no, no. like, her impact is incredibly important to the stardom she, like, Boston. I think Jamie Hayter would have been in this conversation mm. had things went differently, obviously. Yeah. But the legs um, got cut out right before she was about to do that, unfortunately. Yes. So, yeah, I think I think we kind of covered all that. I think Mariah May will get it. Uh, but yes, Mercedes is one match would beat them all. You are correct. I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy you said. I'm happy you excluded her because I would have been like, I, well, I think, <laughs> I think Mariah probably now just needs like a definitive moment. Yeah, um, definitive moment and match because like I feel like she's probably made enough money for the company to be on par with a lot of those others already. And if she's there for say another year, like we discussed last fortnight, oh yeah, she will have brought in the money and all of that. It's just a matter of like when you look back at Mariah's stardom career, what moments and what matches are you pointing at? Sure, that's what we need. Still an incomplete run. It's only mm. it's only been eight months. Not even. But the fact that after eight months, a wrestler who had fifty matches under her belt is in this argument legitimately speaks to the the work she's put in. Yeah. Um, remember when they cheated on the SWA belt with Shuri? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be a jerk, but I'm not gonna do it. Um. Anyways, we move on. Outside of freedom. Who do you think had the greatest impact on stardom in the 2010s? That is from Six Star. It's a good question. question. Especially because that 2010s is basically split up in two eras. And really, it's only the freedom that kind of cross over those eras consistently. Yeah. Well, taking them out is very important. (laughs) Yeah, because then it's not a fun question. (laughs) Um, So this is a great question, Six Star. Thank you for that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, hmm. I have the answer. The, the inarguable impact. answer. Okay, it's on. Rossi Agawa. Ah, uh, you shut up. <laughs> and if you're not accepting here. that, it's Fuka. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. Both correct, but we're going to talk about. We're going to say wrestlers. Um, hmm. I feel for me, it's split in two. Again, because of the era yeah. situation. Yeah, I think it's even an Takahashi. Yeah. For the first half, because of sure. you know what she did to bring stardom into where it was and kind of carried them as everyone else was building up. Sure. Or if you're looking at the second half, it's Kagetsu. 
Mm. Um, you know, like I've I've debated topics of the start of Mount Rushmore, and it's those names that kind of pop up, and the other being Yuzuki Kawa. Um, but I, I think the biggest argument in this particular question is just because for the 2010, she was there for really two of those years. So I'll combat that, though. Does stardom happen without Yuzuki Kawa? Well, that is the question. Yeah, right? it, it's possible that it doesn't. That use upon produce show, you mm-hmm. know, we talked about this on the first episode, mm-hmm. leads to stardom eventually. So almost that alone might, you know, be very yeah. much By the same token, her. without Nanai Takahashi, do they have the strength to really start exactly. up like that? You it's know? like you almost want to put them together because they you needed the, that combination to make mm-hmm. that work. Um, and then Kagetsu's obviously a great choice. That's the first person that came to my mind on the other side. I don't know if there's like a definitive one wrestler because, like you said, it just split into two, and the only yeah. people in between those two are the three that you took out from yeah. from us. Um, and even like you look at the current scene where you could make an argument for like a Tam who has been with the company since 2017 is now leading them as their most popular wrestler, but that's not the 2010s. Like she didn't really hit that mark until right. the last year of that period. Right, like if you said if you said stardom's history, no Theredom, mm. that would be a whole different conversation mm. because of just the past couple of years and who's been at the forefront, right? You know, yeah. I toss Shuri into the conversation, you toss Tim, like you said, Julia, you toss all mm. these people in the conversation. Uh, but I think that's the best way to kind of break it down is the two sides rather than yeah. one because there's just not one. You know, there's people that were wrestling on both sides, like an Arisa, right? Like mm. a Saki, but that's very different. Yeah, and and they ultimately didn't have that long term period enough. Like as great as Arisa was, like she wasn't doing enough in the first year of stardom to really lift up for the last eighteen months. Yeah, same I'll with just, Saki. I'll just shout out Kyoko Kamura because I want to give mm. respect. I think that's yeah. a fun little choice under underdog kind of choice because you know, she's around <laughs> for a while there. Uh, but that was a good question. Um, you made me think. And then this question from Blade. This is one that I wouldn't answer on my own Q and A, so we have to answer it here. Uh, <laughs> stars in the current world of professional in world of stardom, uh, you think would sink if given the opportunity to hold the red or white belt? I I said two. I said three swim, um, and I was trying to avoid sink, but they want me to name someone that I think would sink. Name names. Be belt. negative, Scott. You can go first. Oh, yeah, okay. Pass the buck Well, no, because it's my question. So, like, I, I, I got to – it's it, it's directed at me because I didn't answer it. Well, I mean, I'm going to piss off people. Momo Watanabe in the red belt spot would sink. I don't, right now in 2023, you give her that title and it does not go well. She can put on great matches, but she just hasn't had the right connection with the crowd and hasn't found the character yet to really lock in. And I know people want her to be in that spot, but – I just don't buy it in current stardom with her current setup. Pretty much wondering. The three that I said would swim were Micah in the Wonder, I believe, mm-hmm. Azuki in the Wonder, and Starlight Kid in the Wonder. So yeah. the world title is instantly what I think of when I say like a sink because mm. that is a title you don't just give to anybody, right? You can take more of a risk with the Wonder. You can't just give that title and 
I think there's a conversation to be had if you look at just the current lineup. And there's a there's something I say how I don't think like I don't think Micah can win the five star main event star in Dream Queen. I don't mm. think she can. I don't think and that's not even winning the title. I just don't yeah. think she could do that against Tam. I don't think that's a spot that she's built up for. Um, I think Momo Watanabe is a good shout for the right now, current Momo Watanabe. I don't think so. I mean, mm. a lot of things would have to go right mm. to get to that even being an instance. Um, you, you can't give like the world title is just so tough. Like you can name a lot of the roster and it just wouldn't work. And we're intentionally avoiding like the undercard wrestlers. Like we're not going to say Momo Kogo would sink in the world title opportunity because, like, of course, like it's not fair. But yeah, you know, we're looking at people who maybe could get that spot. Right yeah, now. yeah. I I think I think had Mirai went to the world in, instead of the Wonder, it would have been an interesting conversation. Truthfully, mm-hmm. I think going for the Wonder first is better for her. For sure. Um, I think. You know who I do think would swim? I'll add this in on this episode. I do think Mina Shirakawa would swim as World of Stardom champion, though. Yeah. If you no, told me a that. year ago I'd be saying that, <laughs> I'd call you nuts. Uh, yeah. But I do Because we, we've think, discussed the yeah. could Mina go and challenge Tam, Dream Queendom for the red belt. And yeah. I've talked myself into that. Maybe it should works. be the route they go. Yeah. Um, She's popular enough. Because that's the thing, like, a lot of this roster is talented enough in the ring to be at that level. Momo Watanabe is talented enough to be at that level. But when you're talking about the world championship, you really are asking who can lead your company forward as its top star, as its main draw. There's a reason why Tam Nakano's got the title and Julia before it. Based on recency, did have an interesting thought about Sayaka Watani. Hmm. Putting the red belt on her right after the record white belt reign, I don't think would benefit her. I don't no. think she'd sink because she's fantastic. Like she's a phenomenal professional wrestler and she's unbelievably gifted, mm-hmm. arguably the wrestler of the year in 2022. Like, yeah, I, I'm sure yeah. she'd figure it out. But had she won the five star Grand Prix and won at the end of the year, <sighs> It would have been too much in too close. Like I think people needed a chance to breathe after yes. such a long reign. Like and now, like was, when she comes back, it'll be a different conversation. Oh, absolutely. People have missed yeah. her. You know, mm. that was kind of the risk they ran with Shuri because that SWA belt wasn't a main event belt, but like she was getting a lot of high profile matches with it, and she went from there straight into the red belt for a year. And I think there was a concern there that maybe just meant too long at the top. I think Shuri carried it quite well but that's something you've got to be careful of i think sire like the rumors of her winning the red belt that would have been a mistake personally yeah 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 now it's like when she comes back who the hell knows she could yeah she could probably win and everyone would be amped because she's back <laughs> well, it'd be a mean of 2.0 at that point with the sympathy yeah. especially if people had heard the rumors that she was yeah i'm just go penciling out. in the five star for next year instead i think that's <laughs> the uh, julia treatment Yes, uh, but next question. That was a good one, Blade, obviously. I think we gave you a lot of options while also giving you another swim, which was Mina Shirakawa um, in the world title spot. Mm. The world titles are so hard to book. Like, I'm not hating on anyone. I put no, no. over Mike as a wonder champion, but mm. not as a world champion right now. You know, there's yeah. different levels to this. 
It's, it's easier to take the risk on the white belt. And I think, like, you look at Sai Kamatani and she did get her opportunities to main event with the white belt, which was a very smart testing the waters for that future red belt. But nine times out of ten, that red belt is going to main event. So you've yeah. got to have someone who can lead the show and close the show. I think I said Natsupoya would obviously swim with the wonder, too, on that show. But yeah. if, I, if I didn't, I'm saying it now. Um <laughs> Next question from Tim Hunter. Do you agree with Rossi that fighting on the outside is getting too much in stardom, or do you think it's not fair to blame an unfortunate accident on the style of match? Tim Hunter, I know your favorite wrestler is Tam Nakano, so this is very directed at her. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm done with the ramp spots. <laughs> I think fighting on the outside is very specific. Mm-hmm. Like, it should be very specific. And I have... You know, I was joking last episode about EO having the same little formula yeah, where the Kirkin crowd. There is too much sometimes. Like it's just the signature that some wrestlers have. Mm. Tam has it. She loves yeah. doing the ramp stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's not fair to blame the unfortunate incident with Saya either, because that was yeah. just like that was a freak thing. And you that's know, not like, the first time they've done that spot. They had Mayu no. and Hanan jump off the same kind of structure months earlier. Hanan, who doesn't jump off things all that much, mind you. <laughs> um, so I think that's worth noting. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think there is some too much um, world title matches, specifically. Uh, that's not just a Tam thing. That's a world title match thing. Mm-hmm. I watched. I watched Julia throw or Shuri throw Julia into the crowd, at, <laughs> but that was phenomenal. Match. And Julia okay. and Mayu Hiki spend their entire championship match on the outside. I watched Sarah New and Julia also <laughs> do the same thing, but that was fantastic. and we loved it. Yeah, so it's like it, it's different. Like Julia does it in like the Akira Hokuto psychopath mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. but it's still too much. Like, don't do it every main event you have. Yeah, I think this comes down to just maybe planning the shows in the case of like, you know, you, you talk to Tam or talk to Julia and say, are you doing an outside spot? And right. Julia's like, yes, I'm spending 75% of my match outside. And you go, good, everyone else, stay in the ring. Yeah. Like this is the classic case of you you talk about the show structure so you're not repeating things. But like if this is a legitimate gripe Rossi has, you're the booker. You can tell these women, <laughs> stay in the ring. If you've got an issue with it, Tell them. They'll probably listen to you. I think anything that's overdone or, you know, done ad nauseum does become a bit too much. The the ramp running spot is a little bit kind of like, okay, yeah, we've we've seen it. Cool. It loses its luster a bit. I think fighting on the outside is fine. I I still like the Oedo tie kind of, you know, destroy all the chairs everyone set yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I, I they got rid of spot. that for a long time, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah, with pandemic. And as soon as they were probably given the okay, it was like, okay, these chairs are going everywhere. I still like the spot. Um, but it, it's everything in moderation. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that's the best way to look at it. Though I'll never get sick of poor Julia getting thrown into a bunch of chairs. from Poor Julia. She's the one who initiates it all. Yeah, I mean, she then hits them with a pile driver through a table. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah we made up for it. It yeah. just depends on the spot. But yeah, mm. they, I think Trent said it well. Like, let's work it out. Like, oh, you're going to do this tonight? I won't do this. Yeah. And I think Tam wrestling Megan Bain, for example, you shouldn't be leaving 
the ring all that much because how the hell are you getting Megan Bain out unless Megan Bain's carrying you to the top of the ramp and just tossing mm-hmm. you? Which, if that's the case, maybe I'm in conversation. Yeah, <laughs> just because. But, uh, and I also don't blame that trend of outside fighting on the Sai Kamatani injury. That was a no, injury. no, it could happen on top rope spots in the ring. Um, I mean, remember yeah, when Natsuko got hurt? Yeah, it's just one of those things that. Well, I mean, that technically happened on the outside. Too. No, but that's my point. Like mm-hmm. that was a freak yeah. thing. She just was yeah. getting down from the apron, and oh, just if you if you spend too much time worrying about getting injured with a wrestling match, you'll probably end up injuring yourself on a baseball slide like Pack did yeah. in WWE. Like injuries will find that was you. Nasty though. Yeah, but, you oh. know, injuries will find you in a sport like wrestling. Um, now, obviously, that doesn't then mean oh, you do ridiculous stunts. But I don't think that stunt was that ridiculous. Again, they did it with Maya and Hanan. Yeah. They had the people to catch her. It was just an unfortunate... Just landed wrong. It's risky, but I don't think, yeah. I don't think I need people jumping off of things all that much. Mm-hmm. Ever, really. Not something I ever need. Jeff Hardy used to do it. Look at mm. Jeff Hardy now. Yeah, yeah. It's not a necessary thing. Um, but so I mean, I, if you're talking unnecessary things in stardom, the shoot headbutts are number one through five for me. Like, that's a far more dangerous you could, thing. You could talk to Julia about that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and she would headbutt me. Yeah, yeah, and you would pay for it. Uh, next question Jay Epicenter. Thank you for the question, Tim. That was a good one. Yes. Good conversation for us. Uh, what do you think of the partnership Meltzer has with Kanemaru and Tai Chi? I think it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then do you think Meltzer has anything big left coming as a tag team? Uh, so the first part, I just think it's hilarious. Yeah. Any any of the Stardom New Japan collab stuff, I think, does wonders for Stardom because like, yeah. they can connect with New Japan. They can be on New Japan shows, but unless you give New Japan fans a reason to care, yeah, they're not necessarily going to watch because it is a men's promotion and a lot of them may be coming in not caring about women's matches. But you make these connections, you make the partnerships, that starts to bring give them reason to follow. And then, like, okay, Melty are actually kind of fun in this situation. You watch their matches and then you start being hooked, hook, line, and sinker. And then do I think Melty has anything big left coming as a tag team? More songs. Yeah. They, they got another EP in them for sure. Um, and, I mean, that could then mean an artist title run or maybe another goddess title run for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Once Tam drops that belt, like, I think all bets are off. I'm sure they have plenty of big matches against each other randomly when they eventually go their separate ways before Tam mm. retires. Uh, good question. Uh, this is from Midnight Dreary. Two questions. What do you think is Tomoka Inaba's ceiling? Um, she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna accept not being in JTO first. <laughs> that that's step one, because I think her ceiling as a professional wrestler is limitless. I think she's mm. just phenomenal. You know, she's like the next Shuri type. She like that's what she, that is her ceiling. Yeah. That's pretty good ceiling. That, most, that most fair? people would take a Shuri ceiling. Um, I think that's yeah, a fair pretty ceiling. Much got that style. Just get the hell out of Just Tap Out, please. I know your sister's there, and that's probably keeping you there. But just, just, just sign on the dotted line with Rossi. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the the Tomiko Naba situation is difficult to predict because, like, 
I had her signing with anime promotion. I mean, that arguably could actually be a better move for her. Um, we'll because see. the argument you could <laughs> we'll see oh look it's, it's a riskier move in terms of like will it actually pay at all um for one thing but like the, the big issue is if she joins stardom right now i think she would get lost in the shuffle because yeah. she'd be coming in at the same time as suzuki came in sure. so knowing that rossi will probably bring you in in a couple of years anyways taking a risk on an american-based promotion isn't the worst idea um yeah, and I think she's got the style that can definitely succeed in a cross-global situation. The main thing is just continuing to get opportunities to grow. JTO is a little limiting, but she gets plenty of sort of outside chances. It's just a matter of capitalising on that, growing. Yeah, the ceiling is like a Shuri type, um, arguably maybe a more marketable Shuri, less, less murdery but more marketable Shuri, which is a damn good proposition. Um, <laughs> More it's just a matter of history. connecting all the pieces to get there. Yeah, I mean she's phenomenal. I wish. What I could she's see still her. 18, 19? Like, nah, she's a little older than that. Oh, she's a little older than that. Yeah, I think she's older than Suzu actually. Which oh right, yeah, she's like twenty one. Everyone is. She's twenty one. So yeah, yeah. So twenty one. That's still plenty young enough to lock in. Um, yeah, she's already good enough to be in that discussion that we have with the Azumis and Starlight Kids and. And again, from Midnight Dreary. Biggest what if in company history? Mm. I, I'm going to say it. Yeah. Biggest what if, what if Yoshiko and Akiyasukawa situation didn't happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's such a fascinating case study because like, the, the argument there is, well, was it a powder keg that was going to blow one way or another? But yeah. if they found a way to make that work... Um, and you had an Akjasakawa kind of leading the company forward. You had uh, Yoshika, who was coming through as a red belt champion. Nanai Takahashi probably would still have been with the company moving forward. The vibes through 2015, if they had solved the issues, would have been a lot better. Um, it definitely then puts a question, how is the freedom treated? Because they're not required to literally keep the company going. Um, a lot of what-ifs coming through there. For sure. Yeah, other what if is what if EO and Kyrie don't leave? Mm. I mean, my biggest what if is the pandemic. What if the pandemic? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like things that were somewhat workable. <laughs> I can't control that one. That is a good one, though. Just because, like, what, where would they be? A lot of different things would be answered. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot. They're probably the three big turning point arguments. Um, yeah. Because I think, like, Kyrie and EO leaving benefited everyone. You know, EO and Kyrie got paid. They got global exposure. Yeah, let's talk to Rossi at the time when EO left. Let's ask him how he was feeling. <laughs> well, yeah, but you look back and, like, a lot of those wrestlers wouldn't have had a chance to grow into fruition yeah. with EO still at the top. There's another one. What if Bushiro didn't buy them? Yeah. I mean, there's – well – because there's no the big argument there was, well, what if WWE did buy them? What if Rossi wanted to be in the Hall of Fame? Then I would have, I would we, not we, be here. We'd be doing <laughs> Sendai Road. Uh, yeah, but I think those are the big what ifs. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, yeah. Six star, which five star Grand Prix has been the most important in the company's history? Note, I didn't say best or your favorite. <laughs> Slap that down. 
Probably gonna not about favorites. Uh, most important. Hmm. I'm gonna go bold here. Mm-hmm. Eh, not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm between two. But let's see you're working. Okay, so I'm gonna give you my for instances on both. One of them's 2020 mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it established Tommy Hayashishta as the main star moving forward that yep. brought them into the next level that they obviously have they've they've rode that to greatness. Mm-hmm. And then the other one's 2021 because that one fully established them. Yeah, yeah. In that level. I think both I think I have to almost lean 2020 because 2021 doesn't happen without it, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, Utami becoming champion leads to Utami and Shuri, leads to just everything worked magically because of that 2021. And especially after all that happened earlier in 2020, pandemic, Arisa, Kagetsu retires, Hana, you needed to establish a star like Utami to bring you to the next period of time. Yeah, I I think like I would probably argue 2020 as well because of all those things, and you also had Stardom jumping into doing pay-per-view level shows, and that's Utami at the top of those cards. Like pretty much not every single show, (laughs) especially when you had like the Julia Tam stuff, but a lot of those shows Utami was main eventing. And they needed to establish show to be able to carry that the company during shows where they're asking people to pay four thousand four hundred yen to watch it from the comfort of their home. Twenty twenty one, obviously, I think especially because it happens right after Utami and Shuri's popularity exploded with the the West. Um, that's very important, but like I think there's maybe a risk of being too Western centric in that focus, you know, because. 2020 kind of helped establish um, Utami through 2021. And Utami Shuri obviously gained a bit from that domestically, but that was more of a international growth off the back of Dave Meltzer's and other people kind of commenting on that six-star match that 2021 then had to follow through with. So I would lean 2020, even though initially I was thinking 2021. You're welcome. I paved the way to help that conversation. Um, good question though, Six Star. I do like you pointing yeah. out most important rather than best, best favorite. I wish I could have more insight on some of the earlier years because, like, you could look at Io Shirai winning as kind of a chance to really establish her as the you know top star in a lot of ways and stuff. But because I wasn't watching back then and watching those shows is so difficult, you need to buy DVDs to actually watch it. And then looking at the post scene, it's difficult to accurately give thoughts on that right now, unfortunately. So maybe some of the early years might have been quite and quite more important, but at least from what I've been able to take in, they would be my choices. I think making Utami was very important mm. for everything. So, um, all right, this is from at Mandato underscore Danielle. What do you think about Julia and her future appearances in the USA? I know you're asking about the US part only. That's what you meant. But I'm going to jokingly say, what do I think about Julia? I love her. She's great. (laughs) (laughs) You just want to preface everything with that. And and in terms of the future appearances in the US, they were inevitable. She Hmm. is the megastar. She is the 
person that everyone says, oh, she comes to America. She's going to be yeah. a huge mega superstar. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you watch her, the way she presents herself, who she is, mm. like every big match people think of that involves stardom, it starts with Julia. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so important that stardom have these avenues for the wrestlers to do American tours because otherwise they risk losing them. That we live in a global society, a global wrestling scene, and it's not really like it used to be where people were always content just to be in their own country. Yeah, Japanese wrestlers want to be able to perform internationally, and if you don't give them an opportunity to do so, they'll find other ways to do so. Especially someone like Julia. Like, if if she said to AEW, "I want to get out of stardom," they're offering her a contract. WWE too. Like, there are avenues for her to work in America. So this is a way for stardom to keep her happy and keep those situations going. And there's other wrestlers who want to work internationally too. So this is Utami doing this, Julia doing this is going to help open the doors for those other wrestlers to get those opportunities, especially if stardom aren't going to run their own American show. We don't know when that's going to happen. Um, you need to give them these opportunities, whether it's with GCW, whether it's with New Japan, whether it's with AEW or whatever the outlet ends up being. This is the best way to keep your wrestlers happy and in your company. Yeah, because TJPW wrestlers can go to America. They get to do these shows. Yeah, and even though Stardom is the better platform to get big in Japan, um, you don't want to cut off at the knees that kind of opportunity. Right. Right. And uh yeah, Julia's she's the biggest star. Mm. They reportedly did an entire different pay-per-view because she was not gonna be around before. So <laughs> take, that, take that for what you will. Uh next question What is your favorite era of any faction? Which one do you hold in the highest regard or that you enjoyed the most? That is eternal e pure. I know Trent's answer. <laughs> say it anyways yeah it's golden era Oedo tie 2017 um basically hanakamura kagetsu natsu samir chris wolf tan nakano those five and like that wasn't all of 2017 you know they came through at different points but that group um up until and just a little bit past 2018 too when tam left um that group was truly something special I still hold that as my favorite faction in in wrestling. You know, I, I joined into New Japan and I was right into Los Ingobernables and then I came across this group and I said, Tetsuya who? I was all in on Oedo Tai um, and I have yet to see it matched this period. Mine is 2021 DDM. Mm. Uh, the overall greatness of that group. It's the most dominant faction. I, you could just say DDM up until Shuri left, really. on Like, truthfully, that's what I would probably say until yeah, Shuri yeah. left. DDM with Shuri, because that's like... I compared that faction to EO. Mm -hmm. Like, that mm -hmm. faction was essentially EO for two years. They were on top in every single way. They, you know, they kicked off 2022. Shuri had three belts, right? <laughs> Julia had the tag belts. Julia had the tag belts. Mahime Poi had the trios belts. They had all the belts. Like they were just 
such an unbelievable force. They put on so many incredible matches. They were in every main story. There will never be another peak DDM. There mm. won't. Mm. And I very much miss that. ALK, you know, kicking ass. Mahime, Mahime Poi. There was nothing like it. There was just DDM nothing like it. in the main events as a tag match over and I loved world it. championships. And I loved it. So it's fine. Uh, they were just a different force. They were the yeah. force to help push stardom into the new level. You know, when when they needed new stars, it they all got put in Donna Del Here's Mondo. your group. Here's your entire group. And now now look at all of them. They're all doing pretty well, one way or the other. Shout out the retired Omega. Yeah. She did, pretty, she did pretty good. She had the longest retirement road I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> every every match she had, retirement road match. Oh, let's do seven retirements. We'll give her an entire show with Pro Wrestling Wave that no one will ever see. Uh, all right. Xavier, is Mayu Yutani the greatest faction leader of all time? She was one of the absolute worst dating back to the start of modern. <laughs> but she's constantly saved her faction from the brink of death time and time again to the point where now stars is a legit strong unit. Has she saved the faction? Well, she's tried. <laughs> but, but is it her that's done it? Like, I think the argument could be made. Hazuki is what kept this group going. Hey, hey man, hey now. man, she beat all of Oedotai by herself. She did her best. Yeah, no, she she did her best. She waited till Natsuko Tora got injured and then capitalized on a week. Oh, shut up. oh, shut <laughs> up. she still beat them all. And if she really cared, she wouldn't have waited like two months to enact that challenge. By then, Starlight Kid was already well and true. I mean, she's the longest <laughs> faction leader. Yeah, that, that definitely helps. <laughs> I mean, what what what's our like categories here for? What what makes the best faction leader? Is it lowest number of defections? Because it's definitely no. not Mayu. No, is it most successful? No, because faction? then time not Mayu. Yeah, she's she's got a tough road here. Um, she's the <laughs> longest. She she has tried to keep them all together. You know, she doesn't yeah. ever want them to leave. They just happen to leave. She just occasionally forgets. Oh, you're in my group. That's right. She gets distracted uh, by a new shiny toy. Uh, who would I consider the greatest faction leader? I mean, Kagetsu is pretty great. Kagetsu was very strong. Um, and she didn't get betrayed. I mean, Hanukamura betrayed her, but I mean, like, she left on her own terms and she passed the baton forward, yeah. which for a heelish faction is kind of rare. Um, Io Shirai in Queen's Quest, you know, that that group got very strong very quickly off the back of her. I feel like I should respect Momo. She turned on her own. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to get double-crossed, so she said, Nana, I got this. Uh, huh. Julia has been great. Um, yeah, obviously uh, her entire faction left her, uh, but that, that was because they <laughs> not, not, not the strongest. Strong. Uh, they just uh, they all wanted honor, uh, but obviously I just talked about them. You know that two mm. years she was the one leading. I um, mean, you could ask argue Shuri. No one's turned on her yet. Um, I doubt. I wouldn't turn people. on her. <laughs> <laughs> she is definitely the strongest in kayfabe because yeah. like. Uh, I mean, it's a small faction, and like Amy Sarai under her tutelage got to the you know mid card, upper mid card. I can just say LOL Mayu wins and call it that. Like, I just, <laughs> I can just, I can just be real original here. Uh, Utami almost lost her entire faction, but she fought back. She got better. Yeah, 
yeah, she got, so, one, she got so good. She said, screw it. I'm going to the USA. Good luck, guys. And then Queen's Quest proceeded to lose like all of their matches while she was gone. Correct. The only match they won was against each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's cheating. Um, yeah, I would. I'm probably going to say Queen's Quest EO Shirai just on terms of like success and not too many people turned on that version of the group. Yeah, it's probably it's probably fair. I'll just say LOL Mayu wins. <laughs> she's still she's still hanging around. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. Do people leave? Maybe. But is she still on top of yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess you could make the argument that she brought Hazuki into stars. So like all of the success she was Hizuki able to convince of keeping Hizuki that group together. Fun. She was able to convince convince Hazuki who hates fun to join the group. Now look at them. It was a good point. Now look I mean, at them. Yeah, like ask this a year ago and like we're laughing in your face, but 2023, the strongest stars have been since the Orisa Tam era. So Mayu's the correct answer. Sounds good. Uh, anyways, and the final question of our Q&A is from Dylan Murray. Top three wrestlers you've seen solely in retrospect retired left before you start watching that you are particularly fond of so this is an interesting one for us because we came into stardom at different points in time yeah. so like wrestlers that you might list i can't because i was watching when they were wrestling um there's I wouldn't necessarily say there's a lot of wrestlers from that kind of period where i look back on and go oh i really wish i was following more back then for them specifically um if i'm being completely honest but the three that i can say i look back on and sort of discovered after they left um i think akjasakawa is front and center um you know she is someone i didn't get to see at all when i was what first started watching stardom and like the moment i sort of discovered her i was like oh wow okay this is just someone i would have if I was watching when she was around, I would have completely locked in and been all on board for. Um, Natsuki Tayo is another one. Um, I only really got into her recently going back and watching primarily for Stardom Road and really appreciating what she brought in. You're and welcome. <laughs> and Kyoko Kimura retired right as I was getting into Stardom. And so I didn't really get... I saw like probably one or two matches of hers before she retired. And I didn't really get to take in, so they would be my three. Because I was what I started watching 2016-2017. Time I just blacked out. Natsuki Tayo, Akiyasukawa, and who? Kyoko Kimura. That makes sense. Um, obviously, if you've heard me talk about this, I came in at the start of 2020. Yeah. So pretty much no one was wrestling at that time. <laughs> and then I was when I was watching through, I was like, oh. Sarisa Shiki's pretty cool. Can't wait to watch her. She's one of my favorites. She retired. Uh, so that was hurtful. So I guess she would technically be number one because she's one of my favorite wrestlers ever and I never mm. saw to see her wrestle live once. <laughs> um, Kagetsu. Yep. Easy answer for me. This mm. is really easy for me. This isn't, this isn't difficult by any stretch of the imagination but it's more narrowing it down for you isn't it yeah yeah i mean (sighs) i'm not gonna include you and Kyrie because i watched a lot of them before technically i watched stardom that's how i got into it technically io shirai io shirai was my favorite wrestler 
and that's how I started watching Star. <laughs> so take that for what you will. Um, hmm. Hmm, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, hmm. Good content here. I know. I, I, I try. I try. I try. Ah, first two are easy. You know, first two are mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. I do love Aikawa. Big Aikawa fan. That's way back. Had no shot um, of watching her. I mean, it counts. It does. That is true. It does. She's probably my choice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with her. Uh, Yoko Bito, the mm-hmm. also respect, but I'd go Kagetsu, Risa, and Aikawa. Yep. because Aikawa, Aikawa just jumped off the page for me when I watched because it's like the violence in her kicks. Like her ma- her matches were just so quick, but they were so effective. Mm. Uh, when I was getting into stardom, and I just was like, yeah, this is the one. And then I learned that she had like. A handful of matches and then said see and i was like god damn it <laughs> um risa i guess technically the same too i was gonna say um, you have a bit of an affinity for those kind of wrestling at least we got kagetsu <laughs> um but thank you for the question so now i said me and trent will ask one question at the end of the show mm-hmm. since we got here it was about the same time as last episode so thank you yeah. everyone for timing these out perfectly for us um so my question what you got for me for the crew is what is your favorite show in stardom history oh i think that's a fun one yeah look i'm going to be honest um it's from this year it's all-star grand queendom and yes look you there's were there. two reasons for that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, It was a fantastic show, like top to bottom, an amazing card. But more importantly, I was there. Um, and I'm, all, <laughs> I'm always going to have a bit of more of a soft spot. And shows are going to mean more for me if I was there at the events. And I've been to three stardom shows, four stardom shows, actually. Um, and that is the one that will probably stick with me the most in terms of like just experiencing the show because when i started when i went to the 2018 show um which was uh, the dream slam show in corican hall um i still was learning my way through the roster a little bit back then um and so i didn't appreciate like i didn't appreciate seeing some of the wrestlers i got to see as much as i probably should have in hindsight um but yeah so all-star grand queendom for the combo of bloody amazing show and bloody amazing show from the seats that i had in the venue hmm. I got, so i have like three instances here and i want mm-hmm. to explain them my first is all-star dream cinderella yep that's the first live stardom show i ever watched so like it has a special place for me mm. um obviously it was a great show in itself uh but it was like just watching live stardom for the first time. I just vividly remember like the emotions that with Tommy and Saya just knocking out of the park, Julia and Tam and the emotion of that Yoshiko and Mayu having just mm-hmm. such a sensational match, another emotional match. 
Um, Azami and Natsupoi just absolutely killing it in the first match. So that that jumps off, off the top of my head. Um, the 2022 Five Star Grand Prix Final mm-hmm. is just one of the best nights of wrestling I ever watched. Uh, the Julia story, obviously, the Mayu and Starlight Kid match, Mike and Jamaica for the first time, on and on and on. Hazuki and Momo, list goes on. And then, of course, All Star Grand Queen. I mean, it's the greatest show in Star history. It is the greatest, it's the biggest, it's the most important. Because I was it's, there. No, absolutely not. Um, you might have been the tallest person there. <laughs> That's possible. That's uh, the person but, who was sitting behind me. <laughs> but it it was everything. Uh, like, there's one blemish on that show. There's one blemish, and it's just because of the finish. Otherwise, mm. everything on that show is perfect. It's it's pro like that's still probably going to be my favorite show, just because of like the excitement levels and the mm. emotion, right? Mercedes and Mayu, I mean, come on. Mina and Sai and what they did. Julia and Tam, what they did. Up and down that card, Micah and Jamaica. It's it's a all-star lineup, and they just mm. killed it. Yeah. So that's probably ultimately mine, but I wanted to give everyone, like, my top three. One's, one's just the emotional level, the other's just, and the other two are just like, holy shit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> So there's there's that. So uh, Trent, what's your question for the crew? So yeah, you, you put me on the spot at the start, but thankfully something you said during this conversation uh, actually sort of twigged the question for me. As when you were talking about the Mayu Watani Kigetsu tag match against Jungle Kiona mm. and Momo Watanabe, specifically Mayu wearing the Kigetsu gear. So my question is, what costume change? Do you want to see like if they brought back the costume change battle royal or someone decided to dress up as one of their one of the other wrestlers as a as a bit what do you want to see uh that's a good one um hmm. who do i want to see i always have momo as tony storm stuck in my head when i think about that <laughs> i don't know why uh, she did a very good job at that yeah um and then tony storm as minoru suzuki Yes, that's <laughs> that's a classic. <laughs> I'll keep it to stardom, like dressing mm-hmm. as stardom. Um, Utami dressing as Tam. <laughs> <laughs> just lean fully into the Utami. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You can just see it. It's gonna. It would be the funniest thing of the show. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be topped. Just. I the, can actually really picture that too. Like the uh, absurdity of it would just be yeah. so worth it. Yeah, uh, the the one I really want to see, and this is just and going singing current. the song. Of she course, sing the song. Um, we know she can sing the song. <laughs> We've seen that. exactly. Yeah, Tam wasn't um, happy about it. <laughs> the the one I really want to see, just based on current stardom situation, is I would love for Saki Kashima to dress up as Shuri. <laughs> um, just now that she's training with God's Eye, just kind of lean fully in the bit, come in with the, the full get up. That would be a lot of fun. Ah. Um, <sighs> Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be good. That would be really good. I I'm trying to think of like there's a few that would be really good. Mm. That I think we got like the top two though, like just of entertainment levels. Yeah, yeah. Um. Hmm. I'd, I'd like, like to, to see. Th- oh, you go. May Sarah and Mariah May. 
just <laughs> yeah 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 they swap like they they specifically swap so mm. they're just being each other i think that would be very funny uh i would really like to see julia do starlight kid um, oh just yeah because she's always ripping that mask off when yeah. she gets the opportunity so it'd be fun to see her yeah um and of course the costume change battle royal is difficult now because there's no other mask wrestlers for starlight kid to yeah, dress up tough. as yeah tough. like she had to kind of do Mario Tani entrance gear um yeah. previously and now she'd kind of have to do that again yeah she would uh, <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i think i think we got the good one so mm-hmm. i'll wrap up the show here uh trent this is you know i'll admit we record a little far in the future folks so uh do you have anything to look forward to in terms uh, so of when content? this comes out um i think there's a new episode of choco cast either coming out or about to come out or it'll be around that time period that's my choco pro gato move podcast on the wrestling network so check that out um you can find me on yeah twitter x whatever it's called at one up culture um whatever i'm doing will be found there good sell (laughs) you can follow me at scott e wrestling Uh, i'm previewing every I'm previewing every Stardom five star match with a tweet on Twitter, so there's some sort of content. With a what on what? Sorry, with a post on X. <laughs> um, you can also check out uh, all my reviews that I'm doing for Voice of Wrestling every even day. So uh, that's definitely the content that I'll have. I'm sure I have some interviews in the work, but they might be old by then. So I'm not mm-hmm. even going to try to guess. Or they may not have happened. So we're just not even going to assume. But uh, we'll be back next time with another episode of Stardom Row. We'll be back on track with our usual uh, lineup. Not thank listening you to any of you people. So all yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to everyone that sent questions. Yeah. Uh, you you gave us two shows of a lot of fun. Made it easy for us to just sit back, not have to do too much research, have a blast. A lot of so, a nice mix of questions too, in yeah. type and style. I was actually really happy with what we got. So thank you guys, definitely, legitimately. Thank you. Yeah, we won't do that. We won't do Q and A too much with this mm. series. It's more of a five star cop out than anything else but we, we <laughs> there's appreciate- a lot of wrestling to watch right now there is there is so we really 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 do appreciate it and like i said we'll be back next time check out all the podcasts on the count out podcast network like ring post radio um and yeah we'll we'll be back we'll see you next time so until next time see ya This has been a Count Out Podcast. Hi, guys. This is Lauren. This is Michael. And this is Your Dose of Death Podcast. If you're genuinely curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling, look no further as me and Mike have you covered on all things in the world of deathmatch wrestling, whether it's interviews, show reviews, or everything in between. We have you covered on all things deathmatch wrestling, whether it's past, present or future and you're probably wondering where you can go support us you can find your dose of death podcast on all major podcast platforms especially along with the count out network of podcasts and also you can support us on the count out patreon as we have exclusive content only on the patreon for all of our listeners 
we hope that you go listen to your dose of death podcast very soon and see you at the shows